This looks promising. Hello and welcome to Enjoy and Survive, a podcast where the underrepresented in the games industry talk about the gaming characters that inspired them to get where they are today. Today we're chatting to Belinda Garcia, a narrative designer at Sledgehammer Games who previously worked on the writing team for the game Stonefly and in PR at Ubisoft. With Belinda, we talked about her transition from PR to narrative, her love of Bioshock's world building and positive masculinity in Kingdom Hearts. With all that being said, I'm Ellen. And I'm Millicent. And this is Endure and Survive. Hey Belinda, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, we really appreciate you taking this time to chat with us. We're going to jump into your character picks in a second, but first, if you're happy to, maybe if you give us a little bit of a rundown about who you are, how you got into the games industry, just where you are, how you got there. You've had a pretty varied career, so feel free to go into as much detail as you need to. We are we are very here for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first thing, I want to say thank you for having me. I love you both. I love that you're doing this. I think it's amazing. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with y'all. Um, yeah, so I'm Belinda Garcia. I am currently an associate uh, narrative designer at Sledgehammer Games, who are most known for their Call of Duties and will be known for their Call of Duty 2021. Exciting. Um, yeah, and so uh, before this, I was actually doing games PR. I was at um, Ubisoft, and then before that, I was doing indie games PR um, with Pop Agenda. So I kind of went from marketing to narrative. Um, in college, I studied uh, screenwriting, so I always knew that I wanted to, you know, end up in narrative. Um, I want to be writing for games or animation. They're like two of my favorite things. Uh, and I did it, yay, <laughs> so I'm here. Um, but yeah, uh, I started in marketing kind of um, because I've always loved games. I dabbled in games journalism. I wrote esports journalism while I was um, in college. I you know, hosted esports events, yada, yada. I wrote for a few sites, uh, Geeks of Color is one of them. That's a really big Twitter site. Um, yeah, and then, um, you know, I've co-hosted with Kind of Funny a little bit and then all of that mushed together. Um, and then I ended up in marketing and now I'm a dev. So yeah, I have had a You've varied so career, much. I guess. Yeah, I've done a lot. Um, and it's wild to think like all of this sort of happened in like, you know, less than three years, <laughs> which oh is goodness. really, really wild. Yeah. Um, I think the the like big moment that changed my life is Greg Miller invited me to co-host Games Daily um in 2018 September 2018 and then after that like my life was just this like giant whirlwind of Aww. just working really hard and getting these amazing opportunities to you know where I am now so yeah super excited um the first game I ever wrote uh, was an indie for Flight School, um, and it's called Stonefly, and that actually came out in June. So officially, my writing is out there for you yeah. to see. Um, but yeah, and then my next thing is obviously Call of Duty 2021, which has been announced. Um, and you'll probably hear more about that sometime in the summer, you know, as usual. But yeah. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, you've wow. gone from a beautiful chill indie to Call of Duty. That's it's, it's a big jump. Yeah, <laughs> very very different titles. So where were you in 2018 when Greg invited you on? Where were you in your career then? 
Um, I was finishing up school. Um, I went to Academy of Art um, in university, uh, Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Um, I was studying writing for film, television, digital media. So I was already, you know, practicing writing for the screen, et cetera. Um, but I was with Geeks of Color at the time. Um, and we had a podcast called Game Boys of Color, uh, which was, you know, talking about video games, you know, news uh, and stuff, uh, all from diverse voices and stuff uh, from the staff at Geeks of Color. It was super great. Uh, and I was at RTX 2018 in the summer and Greg was there um, and someone else on the geeks of color team was a fan of like a way huge huge fan of kind of funny um and they were like super nervous to talk to him because he was just like there at the bar and i was like oh just go introduce yourself um and so that was the first time i met greg and jen actually who ended up being my boss at pop agenda so like it's all it all just like spiraled from there yeah and then i you know ended up i did you know a few episodes of games daily and then i came back and did a bunch of their disney interview stuff uh the following year um, but yeah, and that's how I, you know, met his wife, Jen, and then, you know, she founded Pop Agenda. And so I did a summer with them before I was an intern, a PR intern at Ubisoft and then became a full-time PR specialist at Ubisoft. And then I left and then I went to Sledgehammer to, uh, write some more. So, yeah. That's amazing. So the move from PR into writing, uh, like you said, it's something that you always wanted to do. But I can see the kind of parallels, but what was that like moving from kind of promoting games that other people had made to being someone who is helping make the games? Um, totally different. Like, uh, you know, the, the games industry has, you know, all these different jobs and f from the outside, it feels like they're all just one thing. So, you know, you put out one game, it's like, cool. Yeah. Uh, wildly different jobs, <laughs> wildly. <laughs> um, but I'm super, super thankful for all my time in uh, PR. And I'm so glad that I did that before I went into dev um, because it gave me a perspective on the games industry that I think is helping me as a dev now. Like I'm, you know, constantly, you know, as I'm doing my job now, I also have this like PR brain that's like, you know, keeping in mind, you know, what the industry is like, you know, how do we market this? You know, what would PR, you know, be like, or like what, you know, always like, what are we doing for PR for our game? Like, it's hard to like take that part of your brain out of it. Um, especially when Stonefly was coming out, I just was like, hey, so like, what's our plan? Like, are we doing previews? Like, are, are we like sending out codes? Like, what? Are, and I was just like, but I'm not, I'm not on PR on this like title. Like I need to come down. I'm, I'm a writer. Um, but yeah, when I, uh, my goal when I was in PR was to learn how the industry worked. Um, you know, kind of the ebb and flow, you know, feel how fast paced the industry is understand like who's who in the industry um, and kind of get a sense for that. And I think that the time that I spent, which was about two years in PR, um, like was wildly beneficial to me. Um, it gave me a lot of skills that now as a dev and as a narrative designer are just like embedded in me, um, you know, going forward. But very, very, very different jobs. Um, now as a narrative designer, I have, I get way less emails than I do as a PR person, which like <laughs> you, you get so many emails when you're in marketing and PR, so many emails and a lot of stuff is, you know, very, very time sensitive. Um, like, 
you know, someone will ping you and be like, oh, I have a fire that you need to put out. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and you're just like freaking out. Um, and you, things turn around so much quicker. Um, and you have a lot more meetings where um, now as a narrative designer and like a dev, like you do have meetings, but it's also like they have to give you time to write, <laughs> right? Like they can't be like, hey, we need this, you know, this whole thing written or like a scene written. Um, but you also have 10 meetings today. So I don't know when you're going to get to it. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty good about making sure that, you know, you're getting time to, you know, get your work done, which like writing is a tough, a tough job. And, you know, most of the time I'm just like sitting there staring at like a blank page as, as we all are, um, always, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're super, super different jobs, but like, you know, both so integral to integral to the game development process. And I just have so much respect for, like, I'm glad that I've, you know, been on sort of the marketing side and also, you know, I'm now on the development side because like my respect for game dev is just through the roof and everyone that I work with from like audio designers, level designers, you know, concept artists, yada, yada, like you just understand how hard everybody works and how everybody is a rig and this massive machine that just wants to put this one thing out that like people will enjoy. And I just respect, I respect it so much. And so, yeah, I'm super thankful to, you know, sort of have those two sides of my experience. Um, interesting question for you. Cause I, I think I saw some kind of chat about this a few months ago mm. when you were in PR or just like the job of a PR person in game specifically and marketing stuff. Do you count that as game dev, or is it just when you like hands on making the game? Is it a game? Ooh, dev? That's a good. That's a good question. <laughs> and I'm gonna say yes. I think anyone that you know touches the game or helps, anyone that helps get the game into like the audience's hands is mm-hmm. a game dev. Um, all of it is equally hard work. Like everyone is working all the time, and everyone just wants to make the best product possible and to make people happy and so i i'm on the side of like if you work in games you're a game dev period i don't care if you're q you're qa pr digital marketing if you're a writer level designer i don't care if you touch the game for two months or if you touch the game for three years like you're a game dev like you can't discredit someone for the amount of work that they do when everyone's working to you know do this one thing so everyone's a game dev game dev it's like wait i want to know if i'm a game dev. do you think i'm a game dev? Because I think I'm a game dev. we just yes. invite guests on and that goes do you think i'm a game dev and if you say yes then we I'm carry like, on and you, say no, <laughs> you just ask every every person that yeah, comes on yeah. do you think I'm a we game should dev? add that yes. to the star sign thing we need to like have a list of questions. Oh yeah. Oh, we didn't. We didn't really carry on with oh, that after that one. We had one episode where we just somehow ended up going into what star sign do you think these characters are? <laughs> oh, and then we were like, oh, this is awesome. definitely going to be a thing, and then we forgot. Just, it was so fun. Though. <laughs> we can try. We can try to do that with my yeah. characters. I think. I think we got some good ones. Speaking mm. of a nice little segue, <laughs> um, who is your first character that you brought with you today, Belinda? Um, my first character is going to be um, a character called Rain from Tales of Symphonia. I played Tales of Symphonia. For anyone that's unfamiliar, it's this enormous RPG that was only only available on the GameCube, which is my favorite console. Um, it's two discs, like 
you know, back then when like discs couldn't, and also like the tiny GameCube discs, like there was two discs. Um, Yeah. And so Tales of Symphonia was, I want to say like the biggest RPG that I played and Rain in that game is an older sister to a kid named Genus. um, And she's a teacher, but she's also like the mage. She does a lot of healing and she's kind of like the boss ass bitch like she like you listen to rain because she is she is a school teacher she knows what she's talking about she's so knowledgeable and so i played her from beginning to end of that game um and it was super moving to me and the older i get the more i realize that game had an impact on me because i spent a whole summer just hanging out with my neighbors and my little brother just like finishing the game being like we're gonna finish this game this summer i was in middle school i don't know i don't know what age i think i want to say it was like maybe before sixth grade maybe after sixth grade um so i was about like you know 10 or 11 and she you know just there are other female characters in that game that are damsel and distressy uh there's like one uh, character colette who's like oh i'm the chosen one but like i can't take care of myself and i'm like what and then rain's over here like no we're gonna protect her and we're gonna do this and we need to go here and we need a plan and i was like yes you're the best she has this huge staff and she casts spells but also so i have a younger brother he's about four years younger than me and he really liked um genus who was rain's younger brother like he just ended up liking genus who is also sort of a mage and so like every day we would go into this world and like also play as brother and sister so it was you know games these days don't always have the greatest like female representation um and to this day i'm like yeah like it like playing rain as such at such a young age you know made me you know, shaped sort of like what female characters could be in like, especially like a fantasy world um, where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, all the guys have like swords or like punch people or like kick people or whatever. And she's over here with her staff, just being a badass, like healing the whole team and also casting um, like aggro spells on enemies and stuff. So, but yeah, she changed my life. She's the best. (laughs) Also, when I Googled her, first thing, fashion icon like her absolutely so good i love her <laughs> hair like her hair is awesome and she has a big coat like giant staff like yes amazing yeah she's great it must have been nice for your younger brother to play that with you as well because i imagine there are a lot of games that i played at the age i imagine your brother was where i was like i don't think i really knew what i was doing that entire time <laughs> and actually a game that i know you've chosen one of your others was a game that the first time I played it, I don't, I feel like I was even awake whilst I was playing that. So I definitely didn't <laughs> understand anything. Right. So it must have been nice to have an older sister, both in the game and out of the game, who was kind of, because RPGs are intense. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, but. Uh, Tales of Symphonia is one of those games where I've like come to terms that I'll never replay that game in my life. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I definitely want to, but I'm like, that game was so long. <laughs> it does the like JRPG thing where like people talk for hours, and hours. <laughs> like I've tried to restart it a bunch of times and I'm like, oh my God, was the intro really always that long? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, I guess I just had a whole summer where like you don't have homework and you don't have anything to do. So all you do is wake up and play this game. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that game more and more as I 
grow up realize like it introduced me to a lot of um like a lot of fantasy a lot of magic and you know was sort of my basis for a lot of that going forward in in video games but it's interesting that like you say it's like you'll never replay it like it's some of those things in our lives are just like that was a one-time thing that defined this moment in my life but it's not something I can relive whether it's because it's too long or just because like it's such a defining era I guess do either of you have anything like that that you can think of in your past that's like wow that made such a giant impact on me I will never watch it or play it ever again. Host. we don't get questions <laughs> oh wow I feel like there's something I mean I was a big I was like a big PlayStation kid um mm-hmm. which obviously means that a lot of the things that I loved are getting remastered and Absolutely. reignited and re- <laughs> yeah. so and I think that's been a weird experience because I you know those things that you love that you love so much be like no you don't need to do it again like Spyro was the game I played played all three the main three throughout my childhood wouldn't have asked for the reignited trilogy Mm -hmm. if if Mm -hmm. someone was like do you want this I'm like no I'm fine with it being preserved like it being preserved in amber whatever as it as it was when I was a child totally um because I don't know, there's also like a, a slight sadness about playing things that you loved as a kid. Because it's like, like you were saying, you know, those days where you just wake up and you're like, today is the day where I play eight hours of video games. And like, oh, I remember getting my mum, who is not in any way interested in games, to help me with some of the difficult bits. And like, none of that is there now. And so there's right. like a slight sadness to it. I was like, you didn't need to do that. Uh, yeah. Choice for Bob. You could have left it. Leave my childhood <laughs> alone. Thank you, but also leave it alone. Yeah, there's a lot of um, like cartoons that I watched as a kid that I will probably not rewatch because I'm like I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna love it in, in the same way that I did when I was 11 or 12 or eight, um, and I don't want to ruin those memories, so I don't want to like cover them with something else. So yeah. that's that's exactly how I feel about Tales of Symphonia. Also, it's dummy long, so I'm just like. <laughs> I just I like time wise I'm like I can't even play the games that I want to play right now like how am I supposed to play mm. old games that are two discs long two discs like it's wild and when our right. backlogs look like they do Ugh. um <laughs> awful okay um second character are you ready I am very ready and I know you're excited for this one <laughs> uh, my second character is um Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite um so when so I say that I this is the order I decided to go in in middle school and before I played a ton, ton of video games video games were my life I played Halo I played literally anything I could pick up at a GameStop and you know in the clearance bin I would play it like anything um, once I got in high school I went full like I was a I was a cheerleader and I you know did yearbook and I was the class secretary and I went so hard in high school that I didn't play video games like it was dark the darkest period in my timeline <laughs> uh, did not play video games like I think the last thing I played was Halo Three which came out in the beginning of high school and then there were a bunch of like the range of Pokemon and I loved Pokemon since the beginning and I didn't play like. Diamond and Pearl, Black and White, Black and White 2, I think they did. Like all of that is just fell into the high school period of times that I like didn't play video games. Again, I had a younger brother. He played all the video games in that timeline because he was the very ripe age to be playing all those games, but didn't play 
anything, not anything. And then after high school, um, I want to say the first thing I played out of high school was Tomb Raider, the, the like new Tomb Raider. And then I played Bioshock Infinite. And I had not played a Bioshock ever, but it was like the year that Bioshock was getting like all these game of the year awards and everyone was talking about it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. And I was going into it, not knowing anything about the, you know, series. I didn't play the first or the second one. And I just jumped into Bioshock Infinite and it blew my mind. <laughs> like story-wise, it blew my mind. And when I came out of high school, I still was very unsure of like what I wanted to do. I was always very good at writing, but I was like, you know, how am I supposed to like make this into a career? I wasn't going to tell people that I want to be a writer. What? <laughs> um, and Bioshock Infinite Story, just like I had never played a game with a, with a, with a story that like basically talked to me as a player in that way, you know, you know, told me that I didn't know who I was. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> um, uh, and it was really incredible. Like, I was like, whoa, like, I didn't know, like, games could do this as a story. And it, it separated it from, you know, movies and TV where, you know, they present a story to you and you're kind of just this bystander. It pulled me into the story. And I was like, oh, games have, like, games can do that. I'm like, that's <laughs> so cool. And so, like, yeah, it changed my life. So Elizabeth in that in Bioshock Infinite, because you, you know, you play as Booker and you're like, who am I? Blah, blah, blah. And then Elizabeth comes in and she's so fun and she's so cool. And you're like, who are you? Um, <laughs> and I just loved her. I loved her so, 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 so much. I was obsessed with her. Um, I just, you know, love that I had, you know, sort of this female character that, you know, wanted to take care of herself and, you know, was, ended up being so central to the entire story, but you didn't really know it. You're like, oh, here's this like cute sidekick girl that like gives me equipment. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, the whole story revolves around this like one person. Um, similar to like uh, Pixar's Coco. Like you don't know why the movie's called Coco. You don't know, have you both seen it? I don't wanna like yes, spoil it. Okay, okay. Pixar movie ever. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, it's so incredible. But like, you know, you go into it and you're like, oh, is it called Coco? You, you know, you meet Mama Coco. You're like, oh, cool. That might be why it's like named after her. And then at the end, you're like, the whole movie is about her. <laughs> and you have no idea. So that was kind of how I felt about Elizabeth because, you know, at, at the end of the story, when everything like blows up in your face, you're like, oh my God, like she's, you know, the daughter. Oh, the, the inscription on the hand, that, that was her name. And then timeline, and then she went, and then the pinky, and then like, it's just like <laughs> all over the place. Um, but yeah, it was the first time, like people ask me a lot about like, you know, what game made you want to be a writer? And I was in the wheelhouse where like, you don't really realize that games have story for a while. Like, yes, like I played Tales of Sona, yeah. But at that age, I wasn't like, who wrote this? You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't occur to you. You just think like, you know, a bunch of little robots make video games. So you don't know. <laughs> um, and Bioshock Infinite was like, whoa, like somebody wrote this and someone wrote the hell out of this game. <laughs> and after that, it was like, oh, you know, maybe writing for games is something that I could, you know, look into. And so that kind of started my journey into writing for the screen and I love movies and TV so much. Um, so it just sort of added onto that of like, 
things I would like to write in my lifetime. Um, but yeah, so Bioshock Infinite, huge game. Did you go back and play the other two after you played Infinite? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. What did you think uh, when it all like started to connect with the lighthouses and stuff? I thought it was incredible. Like I like I am eagerly anticipating, you know, whatever they do next. I'm, you know, I'm scared of what they do next, but I'm also very excited. Yeah. Um, I think the universe that they created, you know, like, you know, talking about the lighthouses and that, like all these possibilities. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it, it <laughs> totally was a, you know, uh, sort of like a catalyst of me wanting to write for games after you know not understanding that it was such an important thing and now i think it's the most important thing and every game should have narrative but oh yeah, yeah. i play by i played the map board as well i did two infinite than one which whoa really weird. but i watched a ton of gameplay of infinite so i just got a secondhand ps3 for my brother and like you i didn't play games for like the whole of high school and then i got back into them so i was like okay so what should i play what, what games are out these days i just remember like sims and lego star wars and i was like youtubing you know good games and <laughs> bioshock infinite came up but i watched i was like i'm not gonna buy an expensive title until i know that i'm gonna like it so i watched like six hours of gameplay and then i went to cx and got it for like 10 quid and then I just like replayed those six hours after already knowing everything that happened. But I was just like, that moment when you first like come up and you see the statue and the doors open and you're like, bro. Where am I? You're like, where am I? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to go replay that like immediately. I've One just day I will too. I'm, like, I played Infinite maybe three times. Oh, I've wow. I've not replayed one or two though. So maybe I should just. Yeah, I should definitely my dream is that I go back and they did like a Bioshock collection a few years ago and I definitely got it and never <laughs> with all intention of playing them <laughs> like top to bottom with all of the DLC and haven't done it right now. Um, I actually, in my lifetime, I missed out on Mass Effect, which is a huge, 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 like, you know, every writer ever is like, it's so great, you know? Um, so I am actually making my way through those and I finished one and need to start two whenever I have time mm -hmm. but yeah it's also you know been a really really great experience you know playing those for the first time I think that I think the like game blind spots are kind of a blessing because I also missed Mass Effect and Same. I just finished two and I'm starting three um and I'm kind of like it's just nice to have some triple A's that I haven't played yeah. yet because so many of them obviously I've, I've done and I also had it's weird that we all had periods in our lives where we just didn't play mm -hmm. games which I guess speaks to the inaccessibility of of games at times right. with mm -hmm. like there was just a period where I just didn't have a console so it was like mm -hmm. that's not part of my life right now but then coming out of that played I think the first two games I played was Life is Strange and The Witcher 3 Whoa. and that was kind of like that world where it was like this is so much i haven't <laughs> i haven't touched a game for so long and then played the witcher 3 and it blew my mind and i remember um because i like didn't have a job or anything i was kind of lost when i was playing it but i was like Same. this is my life now this can give me everything <laughs> i need and i was messaging my boyfriend who did have a job who was at that job being like Geralt's just done this now <laughs> like i i just didn't have that for about two years and yeah. then it's like if you don't have it's like if you're really hungry and you have a burger and you're like this is the best thing i've ever yes. had in my life it was like that and yeah. also the a lot of people have been talking about their i didn't know games could do this moment like i feel yeah. like everyone has had one at some point but i mean mine was the first last of us and it was oh. specifically the end where you have to 
when you have to walk Joel with Ellie. And I remember I have a younger brother as well, and I played that with him. Um, he's about five, six years younger than me. And I remember being like, like looking like, can they do? Can they do? Like I don't want to do this. And he's making. They're making me. I, I can't. Yeah. And I, I yeah. never had the kind of. I know a lot of kind of boys say Metal Gear is kind of that that like mm-hmm. playing with what games can do and stuff. I didn't have that. Um, but yeah, the, the first Last of Us game was like just so much story. And again, like it's not like I didn't play. I played Kingdom Hearts and I played Spyro and I played things with narrative, but not narrative like not narrative <laughs> right. you know yeah. like in, in yeah. all caps <laughs> yeah exactly there's a difference like I, I mean I don't know if it's different for you but I I studied like script writing and stuff mm-hmm. and they were all like you could write for tv you could write for radio you could write for film and that is it there are no other mediums in which you could write scripts don't yep. even ask so it wasn't <laughs> yeah. something that I even slightly considered is a job yeah um <laughs> So even when I was studying script writing, like we did, you know, we did web series, we did shorts, we did uh, TV comedies, TV dramas. Oh my God, I wrote so many things. So honestly, when I thought, like I knew there was writing for games, but then at that time I was like, well, how do they write them? They write them in Excel sheets and you know, <laughs> what, what happens? Like, you know, do you write them in code? Like, how, did, how does that happen? Um, there is a, I think it's a lessons from the screenplay video that was um, actually the first of the first Last of Us. And they talk about how they wrote La- uh, Last of Us um, in a script format. And that's how it kind of feels like very cinematic. Um, and I ate it up and I was like, oh, okay. So like what I'm doing now can end up filtering into, you know, writing for games, even though no one told me that it did. <laughs> YouTube told me that it did. Um, and yeah, and confirming that on the games that I've worked on, I have used, you know, script writing software and learning how to, you know, if you've studied script writing, just learning how things play on a screen and like what your audience's perception of like what you're showing to them, um, like that is all, you know, very helpful and valid in games. The only difference is in games, you can't control like, what the player's doing or like we want them to go here but how do we get them here because you can't just like lock their camera because you know you're giving the player free reign um but yeah there's a lot of differences but you know ultimately you are writing for something that is presented on a screen so there's a lot to learn there just from screenwriting if you you know ever want to write for video games like screenwriting is very very helpful any sort of you know creative writing english will always 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 be beneficial to you i love how like no matter what happens in every episode we somehow talk about the last of us even if blood. someone says something that like rhymes with it i'm like you said the last of us so we're gonna roll with that yeah i'm just gonna <laughs> talk about yeah it's like, just, it, it all episode. comes back to that it all links yeah. like elizabeth that said they yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't talk like to like women in games without talking about yes. The Last of Us. Like <laughs> you just can't. Like it, it's so it's so integral to like our experience and like especially the second one, you know, sort of seeing women on on a screen and especially like young girls and very capable young girls mm. on a screen. So it makes sense. Mm. So good. Okay. 
uh, let's uh, jump in then to your third and final character. Seeing as though we we kind of added an extra few there, just what? bring the bosses whenever <laughs> yeah. we can. You're allowed. Um, you're allowed four if one of them is from the last one. Yeah. That's like your new rule. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Well, then obviously. Um, but um, yeah, so my last character is uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Um, Kingdom Hearts is my favorite game of all time. Uh, it's just all of my favorite things in one place. Um, but Sora specifically. In video games, I feel like there's so many big macho masculine dudes in video games um, and you have to be tough and you have to be the best of the best and you have to, you know, fight the strongest person and be the strongest person. Um, so when I play Kingdom Hearts, which I play Kingdom Hearts later in my life, um, playing as a protagonist that was sensitive and like, you know, valued love and valued friendship and was willing to sacrifice himself was like, I didn't know that you could have male protagonists in video games that weren't like hyper-masculine. And so Sora being like, my friends are my power. You know, he didn't care. He doesn't care about being the most epic Keyblade master and the strongest Keyblade master in all of the land. Like he doesn't care. He just wants to meet people. He wants to make friends. He wants to hang out with his friends and he just wants to like save the world from evil, but he doesn't care about beating them. He just cares about like saving them, which to me is like, it, also, you know, it made me think of like male protagonists in that way because, you know, male protagonists also get, you know, two dimensional um, in games at times. Um, and just a game that valued sensitivity, vulnerability, especially in three, which I have issues with the story in three, but he just like goes to every world and it's like, hey, like, tell me about your problems. Like, mm -hmm. I, I care about your problems. Like, specifically in three, he has this moment with hero where they're sitting they're having like ice cream together and hero's talking about tadashi and he's just like you know like he's always with you and i'm like oh my god you're so sweet like why are you so sweet like you are the star of this entire series and like you are just this very sensitive like kind boy like mm. that doesn't always happen and so i love him so much i think that he's one of the most selfless characters like in 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 games in general and i think that if we had more male like male protagonists that were that selfless and that caring i think it it would also make a difference mm. sounds like there's a lot of positive masculinity in kingdom hearts there's hella positive yeah that's another game where like if you missed it as a kid it's like 50 mm. 50 on if you'll latch onto it because it is mm. a, it's a bit bonkers like <laughs> Is that one with the Toy Story characters in as well? All yeah. the Disney characters. Yeah, all the Disney characters. <laughs> yeah. It's like all the Disney characters because there's so many of them, right? Um, <laughs> and like you fight with a giant key, you go to different Disney worlds. Like, like your best mates are Donald and Goofy. <laughs> yeah, those are your best friends in, in the entire world, you're, you know, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so. It's weird because like there are people that are like obviously like love it so much and are super dedicated to it, um, but those people also played it 
like a while ago and like got in early because I don't know that many people that like hop in now and are like, oh, I get why you all love it. It's mostly like, why do you guys love this weird like <laughs> cartoon like game with like all these Disney characters that don't really make sense and like all a lot of it's not even really that good, but like you guys are so dedicated or like yes. So it's like a very <laughs> that's special... where most dedicated fans come from though. The things that are Hell like yeah. flawed but great. It's like that's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna fight to the death for, not the stuff that's its own perfect little entity that can fight for itself kingdom hearts exactly. needs, needs us to defend it exactly <laughs> it's also a game where i'm like disney lets you do this like mm. it's disney, an alternate reality <laughs> like like disney feels like they're so like don't touch this don't touch this yeah. don't touch this and like you're so scared of them and then it's like you let mickey run around in like a like a, a black hooded coat and like <laughs> like hitting people with a giant key and being like i will defeat you and it's like what you have like donald and goofy like fighting alongside you plus like every other person that's like like tron is in there like stitch you know cinderella sleeping beauty you know maleficent like name anyone they're in they're in parts um you can have them like in your crew and they can like fight certain people can like fight alongside you um but you cannot play as them yeah you can't play as i'd have cinderella you do fight them like i remember being stuck on a boss fight with uh no it wasn't hades it might have been the dog from hercules yeah it's like the cerberus Cerberus. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Um, again it was too hard for me at the age i played it i played it wrong (laughs) at the wrong age but (laughs) It's it's wild, mate. Also, didn't didn't know until I was just reading up on it in preparation that um, Sephiroth is voiced by Lance Bass. Yeah, <laughs> who's that? Lance from Bass from NSYNC. <laughs> Voices what? one of the villains in <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Like yeah. um, Sora is Haley Joel Osment, which is like yes. fair enough. No. That makes yeah. sense. But mm-hmm. Lance Bass. Yeah. doesn't doesn't connect quite a studied cast though oh yeah <laughs> it's 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 like unbelievable when you you dig deeper into the yeah. game it's like <laughs> like lore and like who's actually in it and you're like is that actually them it, it's 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 wild mm-hmm. but it it is all all my favorite things and i think that like the core story is you know about relationships um we just <laughs> we just did a panel um that will air next week um, uh, for PAX about Kingdom Hearts 3. And I was just like, it's just about relationships. The confusing part is, I'm not, I'm going to like lightly touch on it because it's, it's going to even, it's going to confuse you even further. (laughs) But uh, like, there's a lot of like time jumping and there's a lot of like, (laughs) these people are like, you know what? Never mind. It's it's it's. <laughs> oh no! I really wanted to hear what you were gonna say. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like each person is like another person reincarnated. That's like the simplest way that I can do it. So like okay. you you've probably seen like a bunch of characters, and there's a lot of characters that look like each other, and it's very confusing. But like that's where the story gets confusing. Uh-huh. Is like it has like there's like kind of like three different storylines. Sora and um. Riku and Kairi are sort of like, you know, the main storyline. Then there's like a Aqua Terra Ventus, and then there's like a Roxas Axel Shion. And they're like three different time periods that like, you know, certain games touch on each one. So like Birth yeah. by Sleep is a different group. Um, 
And then once they start like tying into each other and you're like, you're just confused. You're so confused. And that's where the confusing part is. So like, I love it so much that I could be critical of it. I'm like, yes. If someone was like, here's some money, can you write Kingdom Hearts? I would be like, I need to sit down and like think about this because <laughs> there's just so much going on. Um, uh, one of my coworkers, Alexa, um, you know, wrote a book on Kingdom Hearts and also loves Kingdom Hearts so much that we talk about all mm-hmm. the time. And we're both narrative designers, but we're both like, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> just like, like, write that. We'd like... be like, uh, I think we like just being a fan of it and like staying <laughs> on this side. <laughs> like, think so. Um, because people always ask you, like, you know, what's sort of like you know, your dream project or like, what would you like love to write on? Mm-hmm. And, um, they're like, would you write Kingdom Hearts? I'm like, I don't, I don't think I would. I just like, <laughs> I just like loving it from over here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So what, what would your dream tro- project be? Now you've oh, fudge crackers. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be Bioshock. Um, Ooh. like, well, I think it like, would be Bioshock. Another yeah. one, right? I know. Yeah. I sent out some emails. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, can I just like pop in for for, for a few days? I'll turn Um, to brainstorm. (laughs) Yeah. My life would come full circle if I, you know, wrote Mm -hmm. wrote for Bioshock. I think the, like we said, like they opened up so many opportunities for anything to happen basically in that world. Um, And like, I think to build a world from the ground up is, is what's exciting for me. So it's hard to be like, oh, I'd love to like jump into this IP because it's like, man, what I really want to do is build an entire wild fantasy world um, from the ground up, kind of like, you know, how they do in Bioshock, where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you are human, like they are humans, but like, it's also kind of a fantasy world, but like, it's, there's a little bit of reality in it, but definitely fantasy. Um, yeah, that's, I think my dream is sort of to just like, get in on something ground up and like, build from it. And I think, saying Bioshock is a way to build on an existing IP, but also there would be opportunity for me to do that, you know, build sort of a yeah. new, a new narrative, a new character, um, and a new world from the ground up. Cause that's like, mm. that sounds real juicy and awesome. Cause yeah. Columbia was new, wasn't it? So you could build yeah. like another thing, another city right. that has yeah. its own thing going on. Exactly. Um, that would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I also think would... that it's like maybe a TV series eventually. So maybe you could write that but yeah. um, if you I, hear anything, you, yeah. <laughs> you should tell them you know someone. I think um, I, I see articles about this all the time to do with Bioshock, and it's like who should make the movie, who should make the TV show. Right. Yeah. And I think Netflix should give just the biggest budget possible to Guillermo del Toro. I, uh, in my right. brain, I was right. like, whoa, <laughs> like he would run with it. Like Mate. he would just, <laughs> I can't even imagine the like character design imagine, like the creatures yeah and what the big daddies would look like with his brain <sighs> oh, I just, got, oh I just got shivers yeah yeah chills bro yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah, like hopefully that will happen <laughs> yeah that would be amazing like they would he has to at least like help with you know character design yeah <laughs> like just get him in there somewhere it would be beautiful that would be the absolute mm-hmm. number one person I would choose to do that I'm glad you have taste. Um, <laughs> okay, then. So just to kind of like wrap it up a bit, I guess, because sure. your, your three characters are so, so like wide ranging. I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, do you want to talk a bit about Stonefly or like anything you're working on this panel? Like 
plug all the amazing work you do tell people where they can find your games you know your panels your other appearances on the wide internet and then yeah like your twitter account and stuff like that sure yeah um that as as Melissa said, uh, Stonefly is out. Uh, it came out in June. Um, it is an indie title, indie action adventure title by Flight School Studio that I helped um, write on. Um, I am very proud of that game because again, it was a chance for me to come in ground level, world build, design characters from the ground up. Like there was so much freedom that they gave me that I just like through all of my favorite things in it there's so many star wars like there's so many like ghibli things like and the main character annika is like everything i've ever wanted in a character she looks like me you know she's sensitive she cares about her family she cares about her friends um i i'm like so proud that like she was my first you know protagonist really that I've ever written um I love her so much but yeah check it out you know Snowfly is available on I think literally everything um (laughs) and yeah and you can also you know tell me how you liked it or you know tell me if you liked the story or anything or anything that I wrote in it um uh I'm on Twitter um at BBC Garcia and yeah like I said we got a uh, me and a bunch of friends did a Kingdom Hearts 3 panel for PAX next week. Um, what else am I doing? Well, and everyone knows I'm working on Call of Duty 2021, and I'm also quite proud of that. So <laughs> whenever that comes out later this year, um, also check that out. But yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to. Amazing. A lot. A lot, <laughs> a lot of things just a little just a little bit yeah. do you have any like final notes or anything you want to add that maybe we didn't get to um again I just want to say thank you like thanks for having me I think this is really great um thank you. Uh, yeah thank you. yeah I just um I love hearing sort of like the other like characters that you know people have come on on the show and like talked about um yeah I mean uh there are a lot of characters that I've experienced recently that I also really, really love, but like, I wanted to talk about like the ones that made like the biggest impact on me. Do you have some honorable mentions? <laughs> oh my God, Abby from Last of Us 2 is like, <laughs> obviously we talked about Last of Us 2. Um, and I, I really love that. And then I recently played Concrete Genie and the protagonist mm. of that game, also a very sensitive, sad I was going to say, like, Sora vibes. From literally, yeah. like, I, like if you give me a, a boy, like a man that like, is sensitive <laughs> like i'm just like mm. here for it I like, like men with feelings <laughs> i love i love my men with feelings the main boy in concrete genie i feel like if i played that when i was younger i would have had a massive crush on him oh absolutely <laughs> easily like mm. you know you know sad lonely boy that like draws a like draws in a notebook like mm. it's my type <laughs> like, like all the boys i imagined when I was <laughs> um but yeah i just um Everyone's a game dev. I just want to say that. No, I'm just going to drill that home. Um, yeah. But yeah, games are cool. Yeah, story and games are also cool. Um, so love, love and respect all the stories in your games. That's all I got to say. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Endure and Survive. Be sure to subscribe on your chosen podcast platform if you enjoyed it and check out the show notes for more info on our guest, 
what we spoke about and where else you can find us. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at EnjoyGamesPod for all the latest updates on new guests, episodes and more. You can find me at underscore Ellen Causey and me at Millicent Games. Thank you again and we'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs>